113 of Uncaped Crusaders. As always, I am Fox, and I'm joined by... Hans. And we got a special guest. The Doc is in the house. Doc, Hi, everybody. How are you guys? Yeah. Ah, great, great, great. I'm so happy to have you on tonight, especially after that... Uh, that was... Oh, my God, that debate. I think I had... I was at half-mast at a consistent level the entire time. Sometimes <laughs> full-mast. That, that, that was a good debate, for sure. I think it was the strongest performance from both of the candidates, and I think they fixed a lot of the problems that were that were they experienced in the past, especially Trump. He really balanced out his tone a lot. I think Trump has an uncanny ability to um, to play to what he needs to, because the first debate was definitely to his main base that wanted to hear that stuff, and then the second debate was more to the moderates, probably, and you know to show that he can do both sides. I think he's got a very strong balance. Yeah, I, the unfortunate part is I believe 50 million people already voted. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that. What do you think, how big of an impact is this going to have since well, people are voting uh, every day? I, I, you know, I don't want to look at polls, but I have to look at polls, right? And uh, Especially in the battleground states. And apparently he's got a five-point lead in Ohio. It's tightening in Pennsylvania. It's between one point. Uh, Florida, I think he's below – I think it's also one point. Then you have um, – Wisconsin, it's like there's a margin of four, but I was told that at this time Hillary was all was actually higher, and she still lost those states. So uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that there's like a, a huge swell of enthusiasm. The only thing is that there's going to be um, he's obviously going to be blown out of the popular vote, especially because of this the mail-in voting from the states. Like I don't know if California's doing it, but you know, New York, New Jersey, he's going to. Uh, I mean, if Biden wins, I'm, I'm a little scared that if Trump does win, which I hope would obviously that'd be the best outcome, uh, but Biden wins by like 5 million popular votes, you're going to have the, the usual shit from MSNBC and CNN going on. We have to abolish the popular vote. The people have chosen. Trump needs to abdicate, blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, and then the riots and they have their shit. And then, you know, it's going to be a desperate grab for power, I guess. Or, uh, you know, what? Or maybe they won't. Maybe they'll realize that if Trump wins, he can. He's now no holds bar. Insurrection Act. Get fucked. So I don't know. But uh, I know New York City is already. Uh, they have it planned for the the police. There's already overtime and stuff booked for the few days after the election, and they've been doing special riot training, no matter the outcome. As if like the the poor boys, as Biden calls them, is going to come. Marching through NYC, smashing windows. No matter so. what happens uh, at the end of the election, they were going to have to have security because whether or not Trump or Biden wins, it's going to be riots, you know. And I think it's going to yeah. be riots from the left, regardless of if the right or the left wins. I agree. I agree. Uh, well, I think they're going to be more intense if the right, if Trump wins, but because uh, then they're going to be urged on. You're going to see direct calls for because this is like if he wins. I, I think I, we said the story in prep last night. Uh, they're fucked. Because I, I don't think he's going to let them, like, he's going to leave them alone like he did last time. He can't. Because they'll just, you know, invent all this shit again and hurt, his pre and hurt his presidency. And also, his base wants him to act on these people. I want to see people go to prison. I can't, I, I really want to see that. I want to see someone tried for treason, you know, or a few people. So, uh, I, I don't know. How, how do you feel, Doc? I actually don't know your political views. Wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, I hope that Trump will win. Uh, I think that... Um, our nation is under a great deal of um, uh, damage from what's been happening on the left. I, I think that uh, they want to abolish the Constitution pretty much. Uh, it, it just seems like a real 
um, violent, uh, over like really violent things are happening on the left. So I think that we need a four year president who's not who's not going to have to worry about anything like you were saying. Um, I think that would be for the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like we need a we need a little more power to the executive temporarily to write the to write the ship as as they say. Uh, and, and you know it, it is scary too because if they win, we already see we already know. I think people the the little bit of undecided voters out there see the media is completely biased. I mean, I I, I talk to people like we I don't like Trump and I can't vote for him, but wow, the media hates him. And it's like okay, well maybe that means you're not going to vote for Biden. So, yeah, you're seeing that in these last two weeks with the thrust from New York Times and a lot of other uh, like Forbes is another one that have been releasing pieces against Trump trying to combat the news against Joe Biden. So whether or not these last two weeks matter, whether this post debate period of time when 50 million people have already voted matters, it seems like the establishment is really you know going all out with their propaganda, both sides, really, this, these last two weeks. Well, yeah, but the thing is, I don't, I don't think Trump's uh, his his ammo. It's not propaganda. I think it's true. I mean, we we we're going to talk about well, it. information that's influencing people is propaganda, whether it's true or not. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So, okay. you know, while the while the Dems are really grasping at straws on some of the things they're releasing, I feel like there's a lot more meat to the Trump allegations. Even though I wish they would release things a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. And Trump uh, made comments during the. The debate, which we'll get to, but going back to the debate, what, what did each of you think of the moderator this time? I thought she was quite fair uh, compared to the the others. I mean, uh, she clearly is biased, but she didn't show it. It wasn't overt. Um, I, 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 I thought she did a really good job, and I thought she was going to be... And, and honestly, going in, I'm like, wow, she's going to... You know, you, you look at this woman, you're like, oh, she, you know, look at her hair. I know she's going to fuck him, but no. So what's an example of the bias that you're... You're talking about here with this. Uh, well, I mean, she's isn't she from MSNBC or, or something like that? I believe oh, that no, she so. was a Biden staffer of some kind in the past, even hey. some oh, kind of. Um, she definitely has a relationship with the Democratic Party with um, Hillary Clinton. She might have been part of the Hillary Clinton press corps, something like that. Um, I, I definitely know that she has a bias, but uh, I agree that she did not show it very much. I think that she was definitely better than the other moderator, but I think that was also because Trump was well behaved. I think if Trump was going to interrupt. Uh, I think that if they didn't do the two-minute silent uh, microphone uh, thing for either party, uh, I think there would have been a little bit more fireworks. I, I think she would have uh, interrupted him and not Biden and all different things like that. And she did kind of um, follow up every time that Trump had a uh, response, but she never really followed up every time Biden had a response. So I feel like she was challenging Trump slightly more. I feel like yeah, she like balanced it out pretty well. There are two particular moments in the debate where you could tell that she was there to be balanced. And I don't think bias came into it at all. Uh, there was an, a moment early on in the debate where Trump was going on about how he wanted to open schools again. And she basically stopped him. And her follow-up question to him was that Boston basically went back to online learning because of the spike in coronavirus forcing him to double down on wanting to open up schools in the face of spikes occurring Which during school I, reopening. I, he followed up with a home run, though, with that, because, uh, you know, it, it's down to, was it seven or eight states, right? Mm -hmm. And I actually feel that some states that are traditionally traditionally blue might go red because 
a lot of people lost their jobs or a lot of people are struggling. And, you know, Hispanics especially, they they work in these jobs like manufacturing and restaurants and stuff like that, that they're, they're screwed and they're, they're sick of this. And maybe they got sick or they knew someone who got sick, but now they're better. And they're like, okay, uh, we know this is whatever, but we need to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I like when Biden kept pointing out, you know, the kitchen table. The yeah. Kitchen, when you look that at the kitchen tired. table. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, half those people aren't going to have a kitchen table because they're going to be evicted or foreclosed upon in a little bit. And, you know, I feel like that's the sentiment of a lot of Americans now. But. Well, Fox, I'm not sure if you're referring to the same point that I had written down about where he actually said something like, look at your kitchen table. One of your family members won't be there tomorrow. He had like actually said something about like your own family like dying like immediately in the immediate future. Overnight. It was very strange. Yeah. And he says, we're learning to live. Uh, when, when Trump says we're learning to live with the virus, he goes, we're learning to die with it. And I thought that that was extremely like caustic. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and to the teachers, don't worry. Not all of you are going to die. <laughs> Some of that stuff was yeah. really, really bad. And, and you know, and, and there are a lot of teachers. My, my mother's a teacher. And uh, I will say this, that they are generally for Biden. And they're, they're terrified of this virus because, the boomers, as we all know, took very you know bad care of themselves, and they're for some reason really afraid of death because they're going to have to answer to God for all the bullshit they pulled. But that's another topic. Uh, but I don't think I think the teachers are not a, a they're not a demographic he needs to win anyway. I think Trump is he's going after the working man, the working woman. Yeah, he was clearly speaking to his base already and just trying to incite them more. And it seemed to me that a lot of the lines that he delivered in that very mechanical way that ended up coming off as creepy or caustic, I feel like those were prepared lines. The kitchen table line was one that he used in the previous debate, or maybe it was a speaking engagement, uh, like his town hall, where he went through like the kitchen table. There's going to be someone missing. And I feel like he might be speaking from experience here, having lost someone. But he's it's it feels contrived at this point. Because he's already used it so many times and we've heard him say it, it, it doesn't feel organic at all where you know Trump was shooting from the hip the whole time. He didn't have five days of strategy in the basement. I feel like Joe Biden did and then probably got a vial of baby blood or something before the debate because he was looking pretty spry. Yeah, it's true. He, he really did seem to uh, have energy that I did not expect. And every time I see him speak um, – at, like at a major event where there's going to be press or something like that, he he does seem to have a little bit more energy than I expect him to, and and he didn't gaff. Uh, I mean, for the most part, he didn't say anything weird. Like he he actually mentioned the two hundred thousand number correctly mm-hmm. when he used to say two hundred million, maybe like two or three other times in the past. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a I, I, it was a good show by by Biden for sure. Yeah. I mean, if for his standards, but I, I personally, I, I believe Trump blew it out of the water. I mean, well, when we're talking about uh, past performance uh, compared with the previous performance, I also saw a lot of improvement in Biden. He looked a lot more lucid. And despite some of his answers feeling contrived when he was forced to improvise, I think that his comebacks to Trump were a lot stronger. Uh, I feel like he stood up to Trump more, and he looked a lot stronger than he did in the previous uh, uh, debates. And yeah. But unfortunately, Trump also came in a lot stronger and overshadowed any uh, difference that Biden had made from the previous debate. And uh, his rope-a-dope, with the, uh, when Trump brought up the uh, emails and him taking money from China and uh, Ukraine and Russia— I like how I was like, wow, I was impressed where he immediately twisted it on. Trump took money from China, too. I mean, obviously, it's bullshit. and We're going to go into that. 
but it's okay, okay, because you have the undecideds that, which unfortunately are going to decide this election, and they're sitting there, they're they're not looking at this news. They may look it up, but they may go to CNN and say, "Oh, I don't see anything about that here," and oh, I guess Trump lied again. You know, so, but so why don't we talk about that now? Because I feel like everything before that was. It was kind of like the same back and forth that we'd been seeing. There was that one uh, gotcha moment for Trump where she forced him to double down in the schools. Um, but Trump hinted that he was going to bring the noise on the the China, Hunter Biden, Ukraine issue <clears throat> when he said, we can't lock ourselves up in a basement like Joe did. And he yeah. said he must often, be able to do that because he's got all this money from somewhere. Where mm, come I don't from. know. Yeah. I, I think I think you're I think you're um I, I, I agree that, that that was a good point that he made, but he has made that point several other times. Uh, every time he talks about the coronavirus and he's t- referring to himself, he'll say that I'm the president, I can't be locked in the basement, you know? But I think the point that he's trying to make, and it would have been more cogent every time he says it, would be that it shows weakness. He needs to mention that it shows weakness, you know, to lock yourself in the basement, to wear the mask. Those things are uh, weak points that he's putting on Biden. You know, when, when other um, interviewers have asked him about about that and he says well you know what like they're like why did you why did you um go out and do things against what your advisors say and he goes because you can't lock yourself in the basement that doesn't ring as true to me as him saying something like it's weak to hide essentially i i just didn't see the connection that i think he was trying to make and then i don't so that's why i don't think that that point was pointed at biden either actually i think it was just one of his like talking points I think because he's discussed it as nauseum, this whole basement hiding Biden, it's become a theme in his election. And at this point, I think anyone who pays attention to Trump, especially his base, it's it's a, a moment where he doesn't even have to say much more because he's said it all in other interviews. All he has to do is mention Biden in the basement. And everyone knows it means that he's weak. It means that he's scared. It means that maybe he's losing it. It means that his handlers are keeping him away from the people. It means that he's afraid of coronavirus. But yeah, those are all positions of weakness that mm. Trump projects onto Biden, however, however relevant they are or not or true. Uh, but he, he basically cut right into the China thing. As soon as he could tell that Joe Biden was going to start pushing back on it, um, Trump came back both barrels basically. Uh, Biden started out trying to be a tough guy, and he said this twice in, in the debate last night. He said that Russia, China, and Iran will pay if I'm elected, which was kind of shocking that he would say it so bluntly twice because yeah. the left typically does not want to go to war. Well, and it seems left. now that, yeah, the old left. But a lot of the left, the base of the left are still, they're still all those anti-war boomers and people like that. <laughs> And to hear Joe Biden espouse power through intervention in international conflict, it's it's shocking that that is now the official platform of the Democratic Party. I want to add something into what you just said, Hans. Uh, He also said that when he was vice president, uh, China, uh, uh, President Xi uh, Xi said, like, uh, you know, basically, we don't want your planes going over our stuff, like, back off. Mm -hmm. And in response, he bragged that they flew B-52s or B-1s over, like, near it, which is basically saying, yeah, they said that. You know what we did? We provoked them. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) you know, I I, I don't think his foreign policy. I know this wasn't supposed to be about foreign policy, but any normal person hearing that is like, wait. You know what? China might be bad, but I don't want nuclear war. And I think Trump brought up great points with North Korea about that. We're like, hey, listen, you may not like the guy, but do you want to go to war? 
Yeah. I, I, I think everybody's weary of the, the the two bullshit wars we had in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. We, and this guy's bragging about, hey, let's start a nuclear war and we're going to win it. Like, whoa. One of the and only by what cost? One of the only times that um, Trump was praised in the media was when we had the potential conflict with Syria. So it just does go to show you that the left is the the hawks uh, nowadays. Uh, the left always wants to go to war. They think it's presidential. They like, wow, what what presidential um, prowess he showed, like with his you know threat of missiles in Syria. Uh, it's a good thing he didn't do it, but uh, you know because that. But that's that. You're absolutely right that the left is um, now the war party. Well, if I can kind of beg to differ there. Uh, in the past, you have to realize that I mean. In the, in the modern time, Trump is really the only one to depart from the strategy of foreign intervention, at, le- at least in the last 20 years, but especially in the last 20 years. And we have a you know double Bush. We have two terms of Barack Obama and then Trump. And he's the like the, really the first one to wind it down and not start anything new that is like an overt war. We still have people operating in a lot of different countries, and I'm sure we have a lot of stuff that's going on through the State Department. But when you look back in the last 20 years, it has been both parties. It's been the yeah. Democrats, it's been the Republicans, and the Democrats are, have always been that kinder, more gentle uh, imperialism where the Republicans are shock and awe. It's just a differing strategy, but they're both for war. But to hear the difference last night with Trump, who didn't mention intervention at all, and Biden saying numerous times that you know, why isn't Trump standing up to Putin trying to be a tough guy again? And it backfired on him. Any country that interferes with the United States will pay a price. He was very emphatic about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually curious on what your guys takes are like. So how do you think the, the normie uh, feels about this Russian bullshit, this Russian and Iranian intervention? I mean, because to me, I mean, I look at it. I'm like, wow, that just sounds retarded. Normie left or but, normie right? Uh, just the or maybe the undecided. Do you think this is actually sticking? Um, my interpretation of what's been going on is, and I have friends who are also, you know, doctors and you know, educated people. Um, if you bring up anything that isn't that is like uh, right leaning media or right leaning information, anything about Jeffrey Epstein, anything about, um, you know, I mean, PizzaGate, yeah, but like that's a little bit, little more fringe. But anything that is like actually in the media, so these laptops and. Um, they, they don't know about it. They just don't know about it. So even if you bring up like Russia or something like that, they're going to be like, oh, I didn't know that Trump was involved with Russia. That's what they say. They don't, they're not like, um, CNN is promoting it to the people who watch CNN who are like, you know, 90 year old men who are in the airport. You know, I, I really don't think that, that, that normies are picking up on anything that anyone's putting down other than maybe like memes from Occupy Democrats or whatever it is that they that they always have on Facebook. Agreed. So, so, Agreed completely. And what percentage of the population do you think normies make up? Uh, that's a good question. It's got to be I the mean, vast it, majority, right? Yeah. I yeah. think like probably 60 to 80%. It has to be somewhere in that range. I mean, we have to think about what the attributes of a typical normie are. They're the type of people that only read headlines or will proceed past the headline when it sounds interesting. They're the ones that will read a single news source like HuffPost and take their word for it and never approach the subject again with any kind of questioning attitude. They're the ones that are completely okay with social media feeding them the type of news that reinforces their worldview. And they won't seek out things like, you know, the laptop information. 
They don't have the time. They're not interested. Yeah. They they like Biden already, and they don't need to be challenged. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care what you want to tell me. And that's the biggest thing is that's what true ignorance is, when they ignore facts because it contradicts with what they believe. It's like what Biden says where he goes um, – where he'll say something like, you know who I am and you know who he is, so vote. You know, that's that's all that people know. That's literally all they know. They look at him. They look at Trump. They look at Biden and they say – Okay, I um, don't like Trump. I'm voting for Biden. <laughs> they don't know anything about what's going on. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping though that in the uh, in the flyover states and the, these battlegrounds that people are saying, you know, uh, we really don't like this. Like maybe at the beginning of the year they were like, I hate this. Pre- the president's evil, and then they go through all this and they see he's the only one trying to get their lives back to normal. And maybe they are getting effect. I, I, you know, because there are the, the other thing is it's really hard to talk to normies about. Um, unless you're going to ask, hey, like, you love Biden? If, if you, Most people are not going to admit they like Trump or are leaning towards Trump. I mean, we had Mick on last week, and he said, I'm reluctantly voting for Trump, which I thought was a big win. That was, that was cool. That was cool. But then again, Mick's coworkers, who are all educated people, they're all Biden. They're all Biden, and Trump is evil, and blah, blah, blah. But then again, I guess academia would be like that. But uh, the the blue collar, the, the you know, the the car mechanic, the the restaurant tour, the small business owner, and who who either had to shutter for four months because of the COVID, while Walmart down the street. So like, let's say you have a hardware store, right? You have to close, but Home Depot is open. Home Depot's got lobbyists. You don't. So now you go out of business. Like, how how the fuck is that fair? And you might have been a Democrat. So I'm hoping these people are like, hey, you know what? Uh, we 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 can't have this. Uh, it's uh, this whole thing gets really weird. And you know, um. The other thing, uh, so the other main topics were the the healthcare thing, which uh, I know, Doc, you're you're here for that. Now I know my girlfriend; she actually lost her, and she couldn't afford Obamacare when she lost her health insurance. I couldn't afford Obamacare when I lost my health insurance, and I had to pay that that mandate that Trump removed. And I remember that. And at the time, I was a, well, I, actually I was a conservative, but still, there were a lot of like Democrats that said, "Yeah, I'm a Democrat, but wait a second, he's right. I I didn't like Obamacare. No one liked Obamacare." What are your thoughts on that, the health care thing? Because they keep saying Trump's going to remove pre-existing conditions. And mm-hmm. Trump obviously said he's not. Mm-hmm. So, like, what, what are your thoughts? How did this work or whatever? Sure. So, first off, in, during the debate when um, Biden said Biden care, that's not going to catch on. That was my first yeah. thoughts. I think <laughs> everyone laughed out loud when he said that. Yeah. yeah. Like, both and, parties. Because uh, he basically took credit for any successes of Obamacare. And then he denied any failures and said, I was the vice president then. I'll be the president this time. Yeah, he threw threw Obama under it the was bus. Horrible. Was he horrible. really did throw Obama under yeah. the bus. He I wrote that down as well that he had said um oh god what did he say? Uh he said um I'll be the president not the VP. Remember he said that line? That yeah, to yeah. me was very was anti-Obama. Yeah. Yeah, and especially you know it's, you know in the current year after everything with Black Lives Matter, I can't believe he did that <laughs> to a man of color. Well, so I'm I'm surprised the left-wing media isn't hammering him on that, but Anyway, Doc, sorry. Let me tell you something about Obamacare. That's This is the main thing that people should understand. Um, Obamacare did not allow for catastrophic insurance. So young people are paying a rate that doesn't make sense for them so that old people can have insurance, essentially. So when you're, when you're a young person, you should be allowed to have what's called catastrophe insurance. That means only in an emergency situation does your insurance kick in. You have extremely low premiums, and that money is going towards 
helping the elderly, right? So that at least everybody's involved, everybody's paying a certain amount of money, but you know, it's directed towards the people who need it for sure. They eliminated that completely with Obamacare. Obamacare required certain minimums of care. So you needed like a dental or something, you know, whatever it was. It needed to cover certain attributes, a mandatory minimum of attributes in order to be considered uh, a full type of insurance. And that's a big problem because young people don't need insurance as much as old people do. And old people um, can't pay the entire burden of it. It's the same It's the same kind of pyramid scheme as um, uh, Social Security. Young people pay into it, old people benefit from it, right? But the concept is that if you're a young person, you should not be paying these massive premiums for something that you're never going to use. And that's why people didn't have it, why they were forced to pay these like taxes on it or whatever what they call the tax. Um, if they allowed more competition, if they allowed interstate uh sharing of uh, insurances like where you could buy uh, an insurance from another state like uh, Texas if you're living in New York or you know Idaho if you're living in Oklahoma it, it shouldn't matter you should always be able to get the best rate and the money that goes into it is going to benefit some um, is, is going to benefit uh, the people who, who it needs to but you're getting the, the best rate for yourself um, there's also something to know about uh, I'm not 100% sure on this and I'm not 100% expert on it but you know those group numbers and those group IDs that you see on your insurance that's um that's them putting you in a pool of people who are similar to you essentially so like if you're in a teachers union that you fall under a certain um, insurance group and uh, so you have they're like balancing risk it's like actuarial stuff um, I'm not 100% sure like it, what that what that means for like insurance in in general, but I know that uh, you know, you know it's kind of a complicated topic. I I don't really so, so I don't really know as much like as I think I know. I guess. Or like a, I used to work in a in a wood shop, and our insurance was insane. Like the price, so most people just didn't get it. Yeah. And uh, you know, like you're 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 making forty thousand a year, and your insurance, which only covers a little bit costs like $200 a paycheck mm-hmm. that, like that that really hurts so you can't right. most people just said I can't do that right um, so uh, yeah I was wondering so so I wonder that that because but then again that job you're at more you know like people got injured fingers got lopped off or you people fell right shit like that where and you plus you're breathing in sawdust and shit all day right um, now I mean you know my current job I'm a scientist but uh, so I guess yeah and then the insurance is much better but then again I, I just assumed oh it's a better company but Mm. I wonder. Is it, yeah. is it much cheaper too? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Not much cheaper, but I can. You know, I can pay it now. You'd think mm. the risk profile of a scientist would be a bit lower than someone who works around a saw blade all day. Yeah. Exactly. See, but, but that's yeah. part of that's part of the problem with like insurance. It's kind of like I think that's kind of like the point that I was trying to get at is that you, if you are in a lower risk category, why should your insurance premiums be um, the same as someone in a higher risk category? Right. And the Obamacare yeah. sort of put people in a difficult situation where they wouldn't allow you to to determine your risk or to at least be in a, you know, even if you were in a job that had a certain risk associated with it. So, like, it's the same thing with other types of insurance, like disability insurance. It costs less for people who are in less risky businesses, you know, um, and with life insurance, if you're if you're not a smoker, it costs less than someone who's a smoker. But with Obamacare and your health insurance, you couldn't get like the premiums to be low enough for people to want to buy it or to, to be able to pay into it, which is why it failed for everyone. Yeah, uh, I know my my uh, my girlfriend when she was on had to be on it. Some of the plans were five hundred dollars a month. She was only making thirty five thousand a year. Like you can't afford that, right? 
You know, it's like you have to make rent. You got to make your rent. You got to pay that. And now you're broke. So it's like, oh, well, I'm not going to get it. You know, and then um, plus you have, uh, I guess, the Medicare, which is I'm not sure if that's part of Obamacare, too. But I know if you're if you're poor, you get free insurance. So at least in some states, Medicare and Medicaid are government programs that are um, that we pay into, you know, in our paychecks as part of payroll taxes and whatnot. Uh, Medicaid is the one that that poor people get. And it's also um, you also get it if you have certain chronic conditions like chronic kidney disease or HIV. Uh, then you are eligible immediately for Medicaid, and that's a government-funded uh, program essentially. Where you, if you go to an emergency room, it's zero dollars. Pretty much all of your imaging is free. Uh, it's like just basically government um, government spending on you. And most of the um, private insurance rates are set by the Medicare Medicaid rates. So what the uh, what they will pay out, what Medicare Medicaid will pay out, that's what the private insurance companies will also generally pay out. Uh, Medicare is for people who are older than 65. Everyone older than 65 who pays into Medicare as a citizen, whatever, they're, they're eligible for, for Medicare. Uh, and then they have the managed Medicares, which are like sort of semi-private um, companies that, that take care of the paperwork sort of for you and sometimes give you a little added benefit or a little different uh, benefit. So you'll hear like the things like Humana, which would be like a Medicare or a Fidelis, which is Medicaid. So those all those things come with different like doctor profiles that you can see this doctor, you can't see that doctor. You can get this medicine, you can't get that medicine. It's, um, it's an extremely convoluted uh, system. And basically, um, people who are on Medicaid, they, they tend to get mostly free services. People who are on Medicare, uh, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's something, but it's not as good as private insurance. That's, that's my, my yeah. take is on it. So, so, uh, but, but the Ob- does Obamacare play into Medicaid? I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Actually, I, I, I think that Obamacare uh, is. They may have some rules about Medicaid or about like what Medicaid is allowed to do. Uh, they may have made some of those um, rules, but I'm pretty sure that it was um, more of the uh, what they called like the the exchange, like the state exchanges were under um, Obamacare, like that they had to offer okay. you some amount of um, insurance uh, based on like what your needs were and based on your family size. But uh, as far as I'm aware, none of it was affordable. Uh, I don't think anybody guess- was able to afford it. Did, did you get any complaints uh, like in your practice about it, like about Obamacare or did you lose any patients because of it? Or The biggest the biggest problem that uh, that we have is when uh, random insurance companies decide to drop providers. Um, and it happens a lot because of just, you know, general money moving around, I guess. Um, people who had Obamacare, um, they did they did tend to lose the doctors that they wanted to see. Um, I believe private insurances were involved in Obamacare to some degree. Like I've heard stories about people losing their insurance because of Obamacare mandates uh, in some regard, and they had to pick up a new insurance uh, because maybe because they're um, that that would probably be because if let's say they had like Blue Cross Blue Shield and they were paying for like a catastrophic plan or something that they may have offered, those things were no longer legal. You couldn't you couldn't pay for those plans. You would need to get a different plan. So, so that so essentially, Biden just lied the, about all this. Like, if you liked your plan, you could keep it. Or, oh, that was or, that was Obama who lied about it initially. Yes, he said if you like your doctors, yes, you can keep yeah. your doctors. Said, but when they're attacking Trump over trying to remove this plan, and the, you know the, the left, I, I think they, the past three debates, they asked him questions about this. Like, why are you going to get rid of it for people? And it's like you're full of shit. This is actually hurting them. You're saying. I think I think that Trump uh, and uh, I think that Trump could come up with a probably a better plan. And I think that some of what he's talking about was involving interstate, um, you know, purchasing of insurance and and other sorts of um, 
ways of getting insurance and catastrophic plans were part of what he was saying. But ultimately, what he was saying during the debate was that he decided that because they, you know, they they were trying to repeal, but they decided they would try to run it as best as possible in because they weren't getting that repeal. They would just try to run what they currently had as best as possible by getting rid of the um the 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 mandate where you have to pay the tax and and doing other things. Uh, but you know, it's 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 a big mess. Insurance in general is a mess. You can't uh, rely on on these companies to have like you know your best interests. Uh, you know, medications that your doctor wants to prescribe become uh, tier three, where you have to try other medications first, like tier one, tier two medications. Uh, pretty much, uh, the insurance companies are dictating how we practice medicine. And uh, in the unfortunate case where you have to go through a prior authorization for a medication that you think your patient needs, you have to talk to a pharmacist or somebody who's like a low level like paper you know, pusher saying like, well, it says we can't prescribe that. Uh, for instance, I wanted to prescribe a medication Lyrica for a patient who had uh, COVID-19 was, uh, laid up, uh, for, uh, you know, many months. I wanted to prescribe him a medication. Uh, and they said that it wasn't approved for my diagnosis code. I said neuropathy. They said it's only allowed for neuropathy secondary to diabetes. And I said, why? You know, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, wow. It doesn't make any sense. And so I argued with him and I said, listen, I said, this is crazy. This is why I want the medication. And then, you know, a moment later, they sent an approval. So I basically just had to, you know, if you don't if you don't have somebody assert themselves about what, you know, what they want, the insurance companies step all over you. So yeah, he's think- already got rid of uh, the mandate. He said he's going to keep pre-existing conditions. And you brought up a couple or actually a few really good points on things that are currently wrong, even still with insurance, maybe inherently. Aside from getting out of the way, what do you think the next big step for Trump is as far as fixing the really messy situation of insurance in general? Mm. You know, I think I think they need to let doctors have some sort of autonomy again. I think that uh, insurance companies need to stop with prior authorizations. I mean, they, they've made them a little easier, but... Um, Every single every single thing you do, every single test you order, and every single medication you prescribe is subject to scrutiny by a group of bureaucrats, essentially, who say, you know what, I don't think that your medical license uh, allows you to practice medicine. I think they want to practice medicine. I think that mm-hmm. they want um, they want people to essentially, you know not see doctors anymore. They want people to see nurse practitioners. They want people to see PAs. They want people to um, do things that are that are just um, substandard care. And uh, unfortunately- Why is that? The nurse practitioners, I, a lot of which, and some of which, by the way, like when I would go to like an urgent care, even my old primary care doctor, sometimes the nurse practitioner would walk in and he would let other people call him doctor. And I'd be like, Oof. nurse or Mr. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, they they um they have a vastly less uh I guess they're not nearly as knowledgeable as a true doctor right they they right? actually I, statistically assuming. are shown to have something I I believe they have uh at the end of their training versus the end of a medical student's training I think they have ten percent of the of the training uh there are a lot of physician advocate groups that uh, that are out there that basically say that uh, you know if you want if you want true medical care you have to see a doctor and they use a lot of uh, bunk studies to like 
protect themselves. They'll say something like, well, a nurse practitioner who sees a common cold treats a common cold just as good as a doctor. It's like, yeah, because that's an easy situation. It's like, what about the patient who has yeah. a common cold and liver failure and uh, diabetes and something else? The, um, the, the problem is that you have, uh, let, like, let, let's say, like, what's the difference between a nurse and a first year doctor, right? A nurse in the ICU seems to know everything and a, and a doctor in his first year seems to know nothing. Right. But that nurse has had maybe 20 years of seeing things over and over and over again. So she's basically algorithmically able to figure out what to do. But a doctor in his first year is actually thinking through the process and determining what to do. It's a totally different animal. So by the time the doctor has 20 years of experience and the nurse who has 20 years of experience, you are basically comparing like, you know, apples to oranges. It's a completely, completely different thing. So, so essentially what, what the Democrats want us to do is we go in, uh, we have a, a, a low-grade fever and a cough. They, they uh, prescribe an augmented and send you home, right? But it turns out you had some kind of weird cancer or something that a doctor thinking could have been like, hey, wait. right? I, so, yeah. yeah so th- so th- this is catastrophic or would be catastrophic if this shit was put back in, especially under the name Biden. <laughs> well, Biden <laughs> well, seemed to try to separate himself last night a bit from what the rest of the Democrats wanted to do. Uh, Trump charged him with... Bernie tried this and he failed. And he said, I'm, you're running against Joe Biden. I'm not sure who you thought you were running against. And then he went with this whole, Trump is lecturing me? Yeah, I beat them. Oh my God. Yeah. I think we all re- we all recall the primaries, which were totally rigged in Biden's favor. I mean, mm-hmm. what I, I believe Trump brought it up when he said uh, Elizabeth Warren stayed in for that extra day. Otherwise, yep. she wouldn't be standing here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So it, it got they they started duking it out towards the end of the healthcare conversation. So they they didn't really end up talking a lot of substance. And I honestly, because that's such a big problem, I don't expect to see a, a good solution from either one of them. If you know after November, uh, I'd be surprised. But then they moved quickly on to the relief bill, and where it is. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, now uh, you know it, it's sad because we talked about a lot of normies not uh, reading basic shit. A lot of normies don't know who the Speaker of the House is or what they or, – or at least what she what she does, he or she does, and how this political process works. I mean it's, it's, it's really scary when some people that – seemingly intelligent people will give political commentary and they'll be like, yeah, but that's because – and it's like, wait, you, you not realize that they have to – the bill has to go through the House first? Mm-hmm. Then to the Senate, the president can't just will it into existence? Yeah, I wrote that down like, too because um, – uh, actually, the moderator was the one who said, uh, "But you're the president." That was her. That was her term when when he said that we're trying to push through something and and Pelosi's rejecting it, and she says, "But you're the president." So they alternate. They they both in their minds want him to be the president and the dictator, and I don't know what because what what is she implying that he should have more power or that he should um, be a better negotiator? I wasn't hundred percent sure of the point she was trying to make. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now, I mean, I, I know this Pelosi thing, they're not going to pass stimulus until after the election, if that, uh, because it is a political ploy. I know they, they put a bill forward and they're going to claim they did, but I think it was so loaded with shit that no no sane person would ever sign on it, which, which, which was the point. So they can say, hey, he rejected it. We tried to help Americans and now mm-hmm. they're suffering. And, you know, uh, I think I, I wouldn't mind uh, another $1,200 check, you know, that that was nice, but do we really need it? Is it this, you know, the spending is so crazy right now? I mean, I think a lot of people do need it, but the spending, you're right, is crazy. And even Joe Biden 
said the constitution constitution allows us to deficit spend for america (laughs) so yeah so he was really pushing like spend no matter what i don't know if it's the Mm -hmm. the republicans that are being a little more fiscally cautious or or if the democrats are being irresponsible but you're right i don't think we're going to see a bill until after november 3rd or after it's decided which could be a while and there are people who need it which is the the shame of it is that there's people who are could really use a an extra check. So you know what's crazy about this whole thing is so like I'm I'm not eligible for the check like uh, I, uh, I I can't uh, get it based on my income. So I was like, oh, this sucks, you know. Like I wish I had an extra twelve hundred dollars. It'd be so great. But what I really do like is that the um, student loans were put on hold, you know. And to me, that's more than $900 a month that I'm saving because that's the amount of money that I have to pay every month on my student loans. And that to me cost, it's, it's reaped me much more benefits than a single $1,200 check. You know, I think that they need to do something about the student loans. And I think that the burden of student loans on Americans is, is so high that by either continuing the zero interest and just saying, all right, let's resume payments, but no more interest, just pay off whatever's left or some kind exactly. of change would, would be so much better for the, the common you know, person. A little side note on that. I, I, I have really high student loans because of graduate school. And uh, when I was unemployed for two years and going through my shit phase, um, my, my private loans defaulted, right? And it's about $90,000 in loans. And I get calls from them and I, you know, finally I get settled and I'm like, all right, let me, let me tackle this problem. I call them. Hey, hey, can I work on a payment plan? They're like, yeah, send us money. Uh, okay. I'll send you $500 a month. And I'm like, will that affect the interest? They're like, no. So I'm like, well, that means if I send you $500 a month, it's just going to keep going up. It's It's I'm gonna, it, I might as well just set it on fire. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to get a payment plan? They're like, no. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm not paying anything. So now that's, that just ruins my credit. So it's like, yay, but there, there is no fix. Like, why can't they? I, I, you know what? If Trump came out with something like that, I mean, it's too late now. But if he had done that a month ago, he'd be it'd be a cakewalk. Well, there are a couple of fixes, though. I mean, you could they could make it so that um, student debt is discharged upon bankruptcy. They could do that. They uh, they could continue with a zero percent interest rate uh, either indefinitely or for the next several years with the um, ability to dismiss the loans that you have uh, after some number of years. Uh, They don't have debtors prisons, so it's not like they can send you to jail for non-payment of your uh, student loans. But if you're saying that your um, interest accrues faster than your payments, which I was also in the same case. Um, they really need to come up with a system whereby after you've paid for some number of years, it's just dismissed. It's just done. So, so they have that. Uh, I'm actually enrolled in it. It's, it's called income-based repayment. Right. And it's 20, it's 20 to 25 years depending on which plan you pick. And it's every year you got to resubmit your income and then you pay based on that. So uh, yeah, you know, now it's like my payments are really low next year because I made a lot of money this year. Knock on wood, I keep doing that. It's going to be a little higher. But uh, – it's for 20 years. It's kind of a long and then time. after that, whatever's it, – it, so it doesn't really go – the loans don't really go down because the interest remains the same. But after that, your principal, the remaining balance is applied no, – sorry, not just the principal. The remaining balance is applied is dis- discharged if you never miss a payment, but it's applied to that year's income. Right. So if you have like an arts degree major who makes 45000 a year and they racked up stupidly like $150,000 in student loans, when they finally turn 60 and pay it off – 
that year they're gonna get taxed on two hundred thousand dollars of income. <laughs> so like that's <laughs> like what the fuck is that? Yeah, uh, you know? but fortunately there is a way to I mean pay, make payment plans now to the IRS, which which doesn't involve interest as far as I'm aware. Uh oh. But, but 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 that wouldn't be your student loans. The, the student loans are Department of Education. I know, but what I mean is that when yeah. once you have those Department of Education loans dismissed, added to your income, oh, and you get right, the income right. tax on it, you can pay the IRS over a period of time or make some deal with oh, them. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know what? I'm actually just just seeing now that they can be negotiated with as long as you have a really good accountant. So uh, I think I urged our listeners to get one a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, but still, yeah, it is a big issue, and I'm surprised that the past three debates, it wasn't brought up, um, and it really should have been, because a lot of Americans, especially the forgotten generation of millennials, which, you're a millennial, right? I mean, Doc, I mean, sorry. <laughs> cut that. Um, I, I, I think that um, I am considered a millennial. I never really uh, connected with the phrase, but I, I did, I guess, grow up through the 90s. I don't know. Does that make me a millennial? Uh, I'm 33. I'm a millennial. Then I'm a millennial around that as age. Well. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. So yeah, we are. Uh, so our generation was really hard hit. I know. I mean, and not all of us were lucky enough to go to medical school. Uh, lucky, it's not like right? You worked, worked yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It was all luck. It was all. It was all luck and connections. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, you had a lot of people. I mean, I graduated college uh, in 2011, and it was really hard to get a job. And where previous generations, like you got a degree, you got ready to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, and I had a, I had a useful degree. It was still, you know, because the economy, we're still suffering over the, the, the bubble in 2008. And, you know, a lot of people were affected by that. And like the only way to get work was you had to intern for free for like several months. And then you'd get hired and get paid the same amount as a supervisor at Kohl's doing science. And I'm like, minimum wage. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a little above a minimum wage, but still. And it's like, what the fuck? And, you know, a lot of people were, were, were disenchanted. Now, luckily, I did have a useful skill, so I eventually got out of that. But so many people are kind of screwed and they have this huge debt burden and they were held back from the get go. They're, you know, you, they're, they, they should have addressed this. You know, these, these people, they're not they're, they're waiting on marriage. They're waiting on having kids. They're they're being told, oh, well, just, you know what? Um, it's cool to be single and like enjoy like bars and and in debt. Know, hey, free spending money you don't yeah. have. Yeah. Oh, and uh, you know what? Legal pot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, don't worry. Just, just get high. You won't. You, you know. Early in my career, um, uh, being a skilled employee, I remember going to the supermarket. This is when I lived in California, and there were union cashiers making twenty dollars an hour, which at that time they were making significantly more than me. And I thought, wow, that's I entered the wrong line of work. Yeah. 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 And uh. And a lot of people who did enter the wrong, like literally entered the wrong line of work, like they're screwed. And I think they're being forgotten and thrown to the wayside. I hope to God they were paying attention during this debate and like, hey, you know, like, I mean, you know, the the, the, the barista with uh, with $60,000 in student loans who couldn't work for four months and now is struggling to get back into a job. I hope they're like, hey, you know what? I, I don't know if I can go through with that anymore. Yeah. So but. So. The problem there is that looking at those jobs like I did and say, oh, that sounds pretty good, a minimum wage job where you make more for minimum wage is the wrong way to look at it. You, you should use that as motivation to do something different or get a promotion. I know that's hard, hard to say but because uh, a lot of people will say, well, it's not that easy. When 
they were talking about minimum wage in the uh, debate last night with Biden saying he wants to guarantee a federal $15 minimum wage and Trump saying it should be state-based, which is a lot more vague. Who Do you think he appealed to people who are working minimum wage jobs or are still interning or have a, a lot of student loan debt? I mean, Maybe having a hard time I, combining work. Who he, do you think appealed to those people? I think Biden appealed to them, if you're going to say it like that, because these people don't know economics. They don't realize that if you force companies to pay a higher wage, they're just going to have less employees, especially like in the food industry, fast food. uh, They're already doing this. You know, they replace a lot of the cashiers with kiosks Mm -hmm. because why pay? You know, know, and and, these jobs were supposed to be entry level jobs. They were meant for kids. You shouldn't be like using this as your career. So maybe there should be pushes for that. Like, hey. Uh, let's not send everybody to college and make, you know, easy, easy to get into college to get a degree in nonsense. And then you then you your only job is a barista and you're like, oh, fuck, barista should make more. It's like, no, a barista should be, you know, under 20. So you, you should know when people start talking about robots taking jobs. I say bring it on because people <laughs> to confront well, the fact that there will be jobs continually automated out of our society. And it's been like that since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, just in different ways. So now we're seeing that same thing with with automation and AI. Well, you have to get ahead of that as not only a a part a part of the workforce, but we have to do that as a society and start looking to train the next generation of people for that new workforce. And it doesn't have to be college education. You can get a very good vocational cert- certificate or degree and probably fix the machines that that are automating things. You're you're absolutely right, but uh, and I think Fox would know this if he says that his mother's a teacher. But um, there is a huge push in the public school system for college uh, readiness and college graduation. So they basically are saying that like all students need to funnel into the college situation. If they don't if they don't matriculate in college, it looks bad for your school. You I I believe you probably even lose money and and other sorts of like incentives. So. The, the focus on college is is the problem, but it's coming from the lowest levels, probably since probably even before like no child left behind. But I think that there was um, I think that that's something that needs to be considered that vocational schools need to be promoted. Like you're saying that there needs to be other options other than going to college, because some of these kids are not suited for college. Some of them just certainly cannot make it in college. Uh, we're talking about the kids who are like skipping school and not going to classes or like failing out of high school those those kids are being pushed towards college whether it's if it's a community college to get some bs two-year degree that they actually can't use that's a problem they should go into vocations they should be doing things that are much um you know more needed in our society uh factories are you know in america need to come back things like that you know the, the factory work is legitimate and uh i don't think that everybody needs to go to college because not everybody's going to make it with a four-year degree and then go to medical school or law school or whatever it is to get a job that's guaranteed to them i, I agree with and you I- and i think that the college prep thing in, in uh, high schools is more pragmatic than anything else because what we're doing is we're giving students the opportunity to choose that road if they want. But what we don't let them know, and this is the problem that's happening right now, there's nothing wrong with preparing them for college or everyone getting to about the same place when you leave high school. It's that we don't tell them there's other options. We're not honest with them by saying, no, no, you know what? You don't have to go to college. And then when they find out it's all a lie two years into their you know, liberal arts, you know, all that like, with the with the debt and mm-hmm. they find out the degree is useless. 
I don't know then how they many get angry. People, yeah, I don't, I don't know how many people you know who have been in uh, a two-year college for more than two years, but I know several people who have gone for their associates, uh, and they're on their sixth year or something like that, where they change their major several times, wow. or they've, yeah. uh, you know, they're continuously paying into a system that has given them increasingly decreased uh, return. Essentially, uh, the same thing with. Um, with uh, you know uh, bachelor's degrees as well. If you have no focus and you're just like trying to see what you like and what you want to do, I, I mean I get it. But at a certain point, when you're when you're past the point of you, where you should have gotten your degree and graduated, you're just paying into a system that's done nothing for you. That and you know a few things on on what Doc said. So yeah, the uh, so the the supervisors and the principals and the and even some of the teachers that work at these these you know middle schools and high schools and stuff. They also uh, they have they they adjunct at night at the universities in the, in the pedagogy department, which teaches the teachers, and those are just liberal bastions of shit, and it's all connected, and they want to funnel people in, and they they indoctrinate the kids. It's like a whole whole pathway, and it, it they're also pushing for so now college college is a lot, is a lot easier to get into now in general because they want everybody to go, and that's and then and therein lies part of the student loan problem because now you have the federally guaranteed loan. Sure, everybody can go. Everybody and, and college is like, yeah, you know what? We're going to lower our standards because we're going to. We're going to use that money and we're going to build more buildings and we're going to have a the, my, my alma mater has a fucking trans dorm and allies. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, is that necessary? I, it, it, but but it is. It is. And, you know, you got to go to college. Got to go to college. And I think that it, people it, would feel it, a lot more comfortable going to a university knowing that they could dorm in a place that has people like them. Yeah, I, I think I think I think you're totally right about that, Hans. Uh, but I, I think the issue is more that when you have money to spend, you have to spend the money. Otherwise, you don't get it next year. You know, you have right. to keep making goals. You have to keep saying, "Oh, you know what? Our alumni need to raise another hundred thousand dollars, or we need we need more grants because look at how much we're spending and look at how much we're doing." That happens all the time, and I know it happens on the elementary school and high school levels as well. Because when you start spending, like let's say that's like, "Oh, we need technology in the class." Classrooms. And then, like, let's say you have technology in the classrooms now, and you don't spend that money. The state doesn't give you that money anymore. They say yeah. they right. stop. That, that so, happens everywhere, even in private corporations. Yes, but but at least it, private corporations aren't taking taxpayer money. Right, but uh, but I think or the point I think the point that Fox is making is they're looking for things to spend money on that that are of questionable use, so that they can continue to rake in more money. Yeah. Well, and then your you questionable this, use is someone else that debt. makes sense. Someone else is going to think that makes a lot more sense than you because it's it's of questionable use to you, but it's it's of great use to someone else. Okay, but maybe maybe it's a bad example then. But but the but the point still remains because let's say you're hiring more bureaucracy or you're doing or you're building a a, a you know you're rebuilding a dorm because you just you know think that the ki- the kids want something that's like more technologically updated or something like that. But it's not necessary for the education or it's not necessary for like the living conditions. There there are other things that money could be spent on. I'm not saying that like a a, a dorm for for trans people is a bad idea. I'm just saying that there are are other things that they're spending their money on that that are part of this like system and it's also predatory because these kids don't have a concept of hey uh you know all this debt i i may not i'm not going to get a job that's going to allow me to pay this off and i'm going to be burdened with this for my life i'll never be a homeowner but uh, you know whatever and they'll they'll dorm and i remember when i was in college the to dorm it it actually cost more to dorm for the, the the eight months of uh the two semesters 
would cost more than just renting a, an apartment in the in the town ne- next to the. And college. they usually require so they you to dorm, you. though. That's the thing; they require you to dorm for the first yeah. year or something like that. And then and then they hit you up for uh, alumni fees and stuff. They want you to they want to you know, oh will you donate a hundred dollars to the alumni association? It's like, but I haven't even paid off the college yet. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like no, like fuck you. So maybe a more and, honest and got approach. College presidents making millions of dollars. What do they do? They just raise more money for the school. So it's it's now like a it's a racket. Yeah, maybe a more and honest just, approach is just letting people know what kind of racket they're getting into before they go to college. Be prepared because they're going to take a lot of money from you, and then they're going to have their hand out when you graduate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and huh, good hey, trade school that. doesn't do that. Yeah, no, but they then again, about somebody. You. Somebody like me has no choice, right? I knew I wanted to be a doctor. I had to get my undergraduate degree in sciences, and I had to get a bachelor's in order to go to medical school. So, I mean, there are pipelines that make sense, and there are some colleges uh, and high schools that that route people towards those goals. So they'll say like, "You're, uh, you know, you graduate a year early and you enter medical school a year early, or you graduate medical school a year early and you enter a field of medicine that's required, like, or that people like need, like." family practice or um, internal medicine, whatever it is, you know, Uh, that kind of stuff does sort of make sense. But you have to have a really like, in order for that to work, you have to actually know you want to be a doctor by 12th Mm -hmm. grade, you know, it's very difficult. And that that was my next question (laughs) is, it sounds to me like because of what your career path was, you already had it figured out in high school. And there's going to be some people who already have it dialed in, they know where they're going. But a lot of people make those decisions in their late teens, early 20s when they're already on their way to college. What kind of accommodations do you think the education system should have to allow people, young people, to find what career path they want to take without wasting a bunch of time and money? I don't I don't actually think the uh, problem is in education for that particular question, because uh, I believe the average age of matriculation in medical school nowadays is like 25 years old. So uh, that means people are doing things outside of the college years, either before college or after college, before they decide they want to be doctors. Uh, I think that people need to, um, you know, obviously you need to take certain number of classes, certain undergraduate classes in order to become a doctor, but there's no restriction on your major. There's no restriction on your minors. Um, I think that people need to, you know, take a time and, and think about it and say, you know, if I don't go to college uh, immediately after high school, that's, that doesn't mean that I can't become a doctor. Or somebody could say, like, if I don't go to medical school immediately after college, I can't become a doctor. So I think people need to um, just have more, like, self-awareness of, of, of themselves and, like, take time to, like, un- really truly understand themselves. And I don't think that the education system is necessarily um, required to, to instill that upon people. You know what I mean? I think that's a, more like a cultural thing. I, I think what Doc's saying too. Uh, for example, I started college when I was twenty, and and heck, I got a I got a pre med. You know, I got took all those classes for pre med. I did I didn't go to medical school because I partied a little hard, but um, <laughs> it, I, that that those that, that two year wait. Originally, I was going to go and major in Latin. What would I have done with that? So instead, well, you, you could know, have understood I, the Latin mass a little better. Uh, well, you know, I minored in it for fun, <laughs> but <laughs> but still, uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Shout out to Joel. He's going to be on next week. But, uh, you know, uh, those two years when I finally went to college, I had already worked in the real world for a little bit. And I knew I'm like, okay, I got to take this seriously. I want to pick a degree that makes money. They're like, oh, biochemistry. I'm like, yeah, what's that? Sure. You know, and then, okay, and I'm I'm glad I did. But you have a lot of other people that were freshmen like me. They're like, well, we're just, you know, it's to find ourselves. And it's like they've never worked a real job. They don't understand the gravity of what this means. 
and like you're taking on a lot of debt or at the very least if even if your parents are paying for it you're you're taking yourself out of the workforce for four years mm-hmm. which may have just when you get out, you may start entry level at a job that you could have just started from the get go. It, it could be worth millions like, of dollars in your four hundred one k. You know, at, at a certain point, it's those four years that you're not putting money in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or developing a skill that you you know you, you get out and you're like shit. Now I'm going to become a plumber. Like you could have started becoming a plumber and you're you know at eighteen you would have been one already, and and working and and you know and saving for your first house and yada yada. Your yada, Chinese bank of, account could have been full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, nice segue, nice segue there, uh, Hans. <laughs> what is up with that? Since uh, since Biden was trying to accuse Trump of it, if you want to go into that, the it was his deflection on uh, his son's dealings and his oh, absolutely, the Biden family. absolutely, and I feel like that's all that this is, and it remains to be seen how much validity there is to the whole Hunter Biden thing. Because at this point, I feel like if they haven't released everything right now, then unless they don't have the election in mind as a target for this, you know, to impact. Uh, if, if, the, if the goal is to eventually lock up Hunter Biden, no matter when that happens, then okay, fine. Slow play it, release documents slowly, get them all vetted, you know, funnel them through the FBI, let there be an investigation. But at this point, they're not releasing anything that's going to impact the election. So they might just have a bunch of smoke too. But it seems that what the Democrats are trying to do to Trump is just a desperate play to divert attention away from anything they might have. Obviously, the pictures are legitimate, so they got something from somewhere. But we don't know how much the, the, the alleged damning evidence that's in the emails and the documents is going to be legit. Well, they haven't denied the, the veracity of the emails or the text messages. They are, are acting strange. Damn. But again, so, where where are they? Well, well I mean, the... I, I've seen the screenshots. Yeah, but the screenshots of emails doesn't show the headers. It doesn't prove that that email actually came through a system and was routed over the internet. It could have just been a document or sent, you know, from an account with the header, whatever name that they want it to have. We need to see what that actual email address is, not just the name that is the header for the email address. Okay. So there, okay. there's I mean, more that still, we though. need, but it, it it seems a lot more legitimate than the Trump. Chinese bank account thing because and he even just dispelled it real quick last night he said he didn't even have that bank account anymore when he was elected for president it was an account that was set up to do business in China it had x number of dollars in it he, the the deal fell through it was under the company's name and not his name and that's why it wasn't reported and that was the deal they were trying to make about it is that this is an unreported bank account we just discovered this secret account of Trump's that he didn't tell us about and he said, yeah, I didn't tell you about it. It was a company bank account. Didn't it, it also money. have a yeah. very low amount of money in it? I, I wasn't sure. I mean, you said X amount, but I thought it was like $180,000 or something. That like was that. the amount of taxes he paid on it. So oh, okay. I don't know what the Chinese tax rate is, hmm. uh, but that's that's what they said he paid. But but still, I mean, if you're going to go somewhere and build a hotel and everyone knows that that's what he does, mm-hmm. that's, that's what he's famous for. He goes and he develops real estate. Obviously, you're going to have money so, to do that. And I really do feel like this is a non-story. Uh, yeah. He's not using shell companies. It doesn't seem like there's any mysterious or shady ways of moving money around. It seems like a legit bank account for legit business that was closed. And he paid taxes yeah. on it. Where on the other side, we have a lot of strange ways that money's being diverted around allegedly. And it's the same kind of ways, as we mentioned before, that money launderers move money around. Because they don't want it to be seen. And yeah. allegedly, again, we haven't seen this 
evidence, and we probably won't see this evidence, but this is, feels a lot more legitimate because that the SARS that they have on Hunter Biden came from a Senate committee. And I feel like a Senate committee investigating something has a, a lot more authority than anything that's coming from whatever source the Democrats are getting their information from. Mm-hmm. In this case, the only hard number we have is $188,000 that was paid in taxes to China. I think that whatever source gave them this information is the same source that's releasing all of these tax documents to the New York Times. Oh, so he's paying more taxes to China and only $750 to the U.S. We got <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, if you want to take an issue with that. And it seems like they're really yeah. trying to hold on to it. My question is, who is the New York Times source? How'd they get that information? Did they hack something? Was this provided legally? Was this, you know, because the, the Republicans surprisingly have shown their work on this. They, they asked the Treasury Department for the SARS and the Treasury Department complied. Where the New York Times get their information from? They haven't given us their source. The Republicans say we got this laptop from a shop. It was given to Rudy. I mean, we don't know where it came from before that, but they're being a little more transparent than the Democrats are. So I feel like the Democrats are just the signature appears desperate. to be hunters. Uh, but um, so I guess uh, any other things about the debate? I think we pretty much summed that yeah, up. Yeah, the debate. Right? I think there's there's some other stuff, but well, well, I was going to go in. So since that was the October surprise, the emails and the Hunter Biden laptop mm-hmm. was. The, the Republicans' October surprise. So let, I, let's go into the uh, the Democrats' October surprise. Yeah. So uh, Borat, Borat's back. Mm. Ah, wow. So he, Giuliani was in a hotel in in July, and he was being flirted with by this Bulgarian model who was pretending to be a Russian reporter, pretending to be underage as well. Uh, she didn't. Did she ever say there she, was she an was implication? I believe her character. She clearly looked of age. I mean, she For is science. Of age. I watched the movie today. And Wait, I'm sorry, but what was that? Doc? I said she is of age. That's why she looks of age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. She doesn't even look close to like 15 or, or even yeah. under 18. But OK, so so uh, Hans, you watch the movie. What? Yeah. So she's playing uh, Borat's daughter, who in the movie is 15. But in the scene with Rudy Giuliani, she is a 25-year-old in real life playing a 15-year-old who's playing a news reporter who would be someone who's of the age to be a news reporter. Yeah, and she even offers him a drink. I mean, you're going to assume yeah. she's got to be over 21 at that point. Now, uh, they're, they're attacking Rudy. Like, first of all, I, I saw the the, the uh, scene you sent mm-hmm. me where it looks like he's just tucking his shirt in to get the wire up, and he's being a little flirtatious, but okay. I mean, he's laying on the she's, bed in an odd way, though. And he pats her back, but he calls her de- whatever. But, but still, is that a bombshell? No. I mean, he's a seventy-year-old no. guy, and you got this, you know, twenty-five-year-old hottie talking to you. I mean, come on. All the- I know is this: when I'm that age, if someone like that starts flirting with me, I'm gonna be like, oh god, oh, my Viagra is just kicking in. The, the point, <laughs> like, there's like no point to it, though. You know, like co- coming at Rudy Giuliani. First of all, to me, does not undermine his credibility. Just because he's like interested in a woman who's interested in him, that doesn't undermine his credibility to me. And second of all, it doesn't undermine Trump's credibility to me. Just because it's somebody he associates with, you know, I f- I feel like yeah. none of it none of it makes any sense. Um, and it's not a bombshell. Certainly not a bombshell. It's not. That's a reasoned response, and that's the difference. Is that yeah. what they're doing? Is they're adding layers on top of this subconscious evidence that the public is consuming over the last few weeks as to why this entire Hunter Biden story is false. 
you have Rudy, who Biden's line is he's being fed information by uh, Russian intelligence. It's all disinformation. It's all like black propaganda that they're just totally eating up. And now he's trying to further discredit Rudy by saying, look, not only does he fall for anything because he's so desperate to get Biden, but he's also a weirdo who maybe likes 15 year olds. And I've uh, well, so from the left, I'm seeing the narrative that he's a creepy old man. Right. And it's like, that's really funny because Biden is saying basically Biden's team is saying he's a creepy old man. Underage obsession, right. Hunter <laughs> Biden, underage obsession. <laughs> right. Underage. Yeah, and, and Joe with the sniffing and the, the touching and the. The almost getting decked in the face by a sailor at a ball, a secret service ball for groping a, one of the one of the sailor's wife's tits or something like that. But yeah, okay. So yeah, again, I, I, I'm actually very happy that this this seems to be. Uh, I know at this this late in the election, they ever everyone's already shown their hand mm-hmm. g- generally. So um, this appears to be all the Democrats have, and I think the unaffiliated voter is going to see this and go, well, whatever. Like, Okay. It depends. They're going to change some minds with this, I guarantee you. And there's going to be a couple people who see right through the charade, and it's going to change their mind in the opposite direction. It's all about which way are you leaning and how how willing are you to believe what is clearly a desperate attempt to change your mind on someone's character. Not even Donald Trump's character. It's the people he associates with. um, with There's a line that I remember from uh, an episode of Penn & Teller's Bullshit that always stuck with me that I always loved. And I don't remember the exact episode, but they were talking about Marilyn Manson and and the things that he had said and, you know, like turning children to evil and this and that, you know. And the guy's line was, um, a lot of people who watch a car commercial are not going to buy a car, but a few do. And that's and that's what I feel like is happening. You know, the, not everybody who sees what's happening with Rudy Giuliani is going to think that it's anything, but a few people will. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, and it's it's a bunch of little breadcrumbs that they're trying to lead these people to a conclusion that they've constructed. Inception. And it's like it's, Inception. It's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's a little bit of of uh, Rudy's gullible. It's a little bit of Rudy might be into underage slash overage Russian news reporters. Uh, and then there's also the thing that um, recently happened today. Actually, there's two news stories that came out today. And the first one is that China's been giving a bunch of money to Trump to lease out space in Trump Tower, about $1.6 million a year. And this was purported by Forbes to be a huge story, that there's a back channel flow of money that's going to Trump from the Chinese Communist Party because the bank that is renting this space, that's leasing the space, is 70% owned by the Chinese Party. Mm-hmm. And they make it out to be a big deal. They very, I think, probably begrudgingly admit that this deal was inked in 2008. Wow. Yeah. But yet this is a story. Wasn't there the something, next story um, was, something similar about China or another a foreign adversary um having space in the walled off Astoria and that was like where all these um uh, you know d- diplomats stayed for a long time and they were worried that they were being spied on or something like that uh, I mean these things happen at like hotels you know like I, I definitely don't think that uh, it's a uh, some story you know I, I I think they made a really big deal about it back when I heard about the Waldorf Astoria thing otherwise I don't think I would remember it but uh, I'd have to look well, at that well the Waldorf makes sense because all diplomats stay yeah. there because there's a uh... There's a separate elevator in that hotel that leads to an underground railroad track that's 
it's to spirit away like someone important like the is that right i didn't know that yeah 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 that's that's why they have to stay there like it, like they don't go to the plaza is it like a special train for pizza delivery men <laughs> maybe it, it, it delivers <laughs> walnut sauce <laughs> yeah uh well, well, so, so one, one more thing game. about about this sure. whole trickling of propaganda is the trump alleged twitter hack where supposedly some dutch ethical hacker got into trump's account just by guessing his password and the big story was that the password was maga 2020 exclamation exclamation point, point. Yeah. yeah so he didn't have multi-factor authentication on he didn't have a strong password and someone was able to just guess their way into his account painting and, trump as an imbecile and basically. did he also change his password to 2020 for some particular reason like recently or was it like originally 2020 yeah. <laughs> uh supposedly this isn't the first time this guy's hacked his account and before it was you're fired <laughs> uh, yeah it it's it, it's that's so ridiculous on its face it's I, I don't well, know. I, I, I think it ends up being a, a not really a believable story. Someone found that there was some screenshots that didn't really match Trump's actual account, and they found some discrepancies. But once again, it seems okay. So it's, there's two different strategies here for propaganda, and then we can move on. It seems like the Democrats want to just basically trickle in little bits of, of insignificant propaganda that might make you question it. And you know, there's little bunts trying to get people on base, whereas the Republicans have this huge story, and whether it's true or not, they're swinging at this pitch, and hoping to to get a hit, a home run, really. Yeah, they're so like a so essentially the Democrats are using a shotgun loaded with salt. Yeah, and the Dem- and the Republicans have a laser, high power. Mm, they have one of those tiny uh, insect shotguns. You can kill bugs with salt. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, those seem really fun. They look fun. Yeah. Uh, so uh, moving on, I don't know how big this is because it's still there's still so much to go. But Derek Chauvin, the cop, the cop in the George Floyd incident, um, who used his knee to inject meth and fentanyl into George Floyd and then kill him. Wow. Um, he had his third degree murder charge dropped. He's still facing, I think, second degree murder. And what was the other charge? Hans manslaughter. Yeah. And so, all the other cops that were there still have an aiding and abetting charge for second degree murder uh i don't know how this trial is going to go i have a feeling he's going to be acquitted um if not if and if he is found guilty i know last night during prep i was using the reference he's going to be like bullshit trialed uh just to appease the mob but i'm beginning to think that it's yeah uh hopefully there's some good judges and jury members and whatever but um yeah, I, I, for, for, for that story, it's like, well, more, I think more has to happen. Like, we have to get to the trial. If you, th- and I hope if you think they're going to let him off, why didn't they just drop all the charges now? Why are they still they, – uh, they dropped the third degree, but they kept the second degree murder, second degree man, and they seem to be proceeding. They probably don't want a huge riot right now, and I think he's, he's just he's, – yeah, he, he's being made an example of, basically. They have to keep – they want to keep some sort of peace. These these prosecutors are politicized. We've seen that. We saw that with the uh, um, the lawyers, McCloskey lawyers in um, was it Kentucky? What state was that in? That that had their guns stupidly right. aiming at the Somewhere crowd. Somewhere up north. They shouldn't. Everyone. No one thinks they should have been charged, but they were still charged. There's, the charges have not been dropped. So, you know, there's that. But um, moving forward, now this is something that we we can hit hit up Doc with. How do you feel about the vaccine? 
COVID, COVID vaccine. vaccine. Well, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things about it. It's uh, it's one of the newer generations of vaccines. Uh, the way it works is, uh, it's uh, I believe it's a DNA vaccine. I think that it. Uh, uh, transcodes like the actual um, antigen in your own cells and then and then produces it and then makes an antibody response in that way uh, which is kind of cool uh, I think they just started that with um, Ebola uh, so they're basically like brand new type vaccines uh, so, so it's a plasma um, you know I'm not 100% sure the way that the DNA enters the cell I'm not sure if it's through um through uh, passive uptake or if it's through a plasmid but uh, or like some kind of vector. But uh, essentially the yeah. way that they designed it was that that's how it would work. Um, and like I said, they, they had already started doing this with Ebola and uh, probably with Zika and other types of um, viruses. Uh, that being said, I don't know anyone, patients or friends or colleagues who would agree to take this vaccine uh, in the beginning, uh, and I don't know if that's a anti anti vax standpoint. Uh, but that's a big hell no from me too. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, uh, well, uh, I'm a little rusty, but so DNA vaccine, it's going to transcode. So that means it has to go into the nucleus to do it. So it's basically going to sit there next to your nuclear DNA for forever. Well, uh, not exactly. Uh, if if I'm not mistaken, it, it could be that they it uses ribosomes in the cytoplasm to transcode the DNA. Uh, it may not mm-hmm. need to be nuclear. Uh, it, there are different areas where uh, DNA can be trans uh, transcribed into proteins and and such, um, but. It's not like a retrovirus. It's not inserting itself into your genome or through like the germline or anything weird like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably self-limited to some degree. Like, I mean, only the number of things that you would get injected into you are the number of things that can be entered into your cells. It's not like those, um, those uh, whatever they are, plasmids or, uh, you know, liposomes or whatever, whatever it is that they're injecting into you. It's not that those things are going to like replicate and become you know, through all, permeate throughout all the cells in your body. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, I should have read a little bit more about this particular type of vaccine, but either way, I think that, you know, it, um, the speed at which it was created, the, uh, the, the importance of the vaccine, I find it limited, you know, I, I don't think that we need this vaccine in order to live our lives normally. Uh, and I don't know what's going to happen next year, you know, coming, you know, coming forward next to winter, if the strains are going to change, if it's going to become a flu-like vaccine, or if they're going to try and basically cure the common cold, because coronaviruses cause the common cold. And there's already a theory that uh, young folks who obtain this virus, when they're re-exposed to it, will have the common cold. Uh, And they believe that all coronaviruses that have crossed over from animal to human have gone through a similar SARS-type reaction. So the old people die, you know, the weak die, but the young live and end up with a new virus in the population forever. We can't avoid this virus forever, you know. We can't, um, yeah. We can't uh, expect that uh, it, not every single person in the world will have it eventually. So it's just a matter of time, you know. And the curve has been flattened, if so, you ask me. So we have to learn to live with it. Uh, I said. think. Not learn. Yeah, I think we do have to learn to live with it, and I think that um, it's not going to be the last one. You know, it's going to happen again. Uh, and, and, yeah. and and for the, the people that do get severely sick, like the weak, like you were saying, um, I think yesterday during prep, you had some comments about that because you have the uh, remdesivir. Mm-hmm. 
and I guess the Regeneron, which I'm pretty sure was a company, but they're calling it the drug, uh, which Trump apparently is mainlining. You know, I saw his veins right. pulsing. Right. I, want to get I think the name shit. of the drug is like a bunch of letters and numbers. I don't. I don't think it's like very, you know, easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> but um, can I snort Regeneron? Uh, you, you could no. try. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's probably very expensive too. It's more expensive than uh, the most expensive drugs. Um, I just, I just think that with these treatment protocols that we have now, people who are catching COVID now at this point are getting better treatment than those who in the beginning caught COVID. Because the patients that I see who are sick, who are like really sick from COVID, they um, had caught it back in February or March, and they're just coming out of coma. You know what I mean? They were they were really screwed over. They did not have any treatment protocols. They didn't know what they were doing with the ventilators, which some people believe were hurting the patients, turning them prone, all these strange you know, concepts with like how to take care of these people and the blood clots and the strokes. And, you know, they, they just didn't know. And now they have so many options. There's like uh, things like uh, famotidine, which is like over the counter stomach medication they're saying helps. Uh, vitamin D levels, having like very high vitamin D levels is helping. Um, There's so many things that we're learning now and treatment wise that these people who get sick, um, they get better faster. So survivability has vastly I believe that's the case. I mean, it, it, it would appear to be so, but it's very hard to tell because they don't break down the statistics in a way that make any sense to me. I mean, they don't talk about um, people who don't have comorbidities. They don't talk about people who um, who are like, uh, you know, uh, critically ill versus just diagnosed with the virus. And as you may already know, uh, the PCR test is uh, basically like uh, – I mean, it's almost like homeopathy if you think about it, because you're looking for uh, a molecule in a in a pool of molecules. You know, it's a really uh, so that that's a northern uh, blot that you have to do the RT PCR, and uh, you got to take the RNA, turn it to DNA, and then do. It's such an easy test to fuck up, and cro- especially if you're running tons mm-hmm. of them, <laughs> you know, and and cro- so I think a lot of these are they even came out false yeah uh, well think about it think about it like this so let's say that you have um a, some number of mistakes every cycle right and let's say that you cycle your pcr 20 times right and it's negative mm-hmm. then let's say you cycle it 30 times and it's positive you know at what point do you determine positivity as being a true positive versus a false positive it, it, it's there yeah. are numbers that people use in different countries they've come up with different cycle numbers america we do um higher than other countries so the numbers could be artificially uh elevated and it uh you know if it's like i mean i wish i wish i could come up with a better analogy but it's like um i don't know finding uh gosh what what could you find what would be something that you could find that wouldn't be something that it actually is. I don't know. Like, it, yeah, it's really I'm, difficult to explain to the common like person. But I, I want to come up with yeah, something. Yeah. Um, let's say you have. Well, I like, think uh, I, I'm a lay person. You guys are both medical professionals. Yeah. Uh, compared to my no knowledge on it, uh, PCR is uh, polymerase chain reaction. Correct. Is that right? And that yeah, amplifies yeah. the DNA signature. Correct. Okay. Yeah, because it's so small that you have to make tons of copies of it to make it, you know, to so resolve. So think it. about it yeah. like this. And then- let's say you take like what's like look at a um a small section of a a group chat or something like that, right? A small section of a group chat, and you're looking for terroristic material. Okay, how about something like that? Mm-hmm. The more chat you look at 
the more likely you are to find something that you might say, well, that looks a little bit terroristic, you know? And does that mean that yeah. the whole chat is terroristic? It, it really doesn't, right? Or it doesn't mean that, the, you know, and, and, and your definitions of those things are, are always going to be changing. So I would just say that, like, maybe that's, like, the best way to put it is that when you're looking at a, a larger section of things, um, eventually you're going to find what you're looking for. And now, so and, and now, these cases—they see the increased cases, increased cases—are they correlating to increased hospitalizations? It, it appears yes. not, because most of the hospitals are not overloaded with um, patients anymore, and we're diagnosing 400 cases a day in New York. So, if you if you have 400 cases a day, you would expect all the ERs to be full by the end of the week. Yeah, or at least even a hundred of right. them. How many how many rooms do you think an ER has? How many hospitals are in New York City? You know it. it Oh yeah, so so even if twenty yeah, a day, mm-hmm. exactly, have to go. yeah. So which, so which tells you that this is really not, you know, it's it it wasn't that big of a threat. I mean, it, it was a problem, but now we kind of have it under control, and this vaccine is. I, I'm not. No, I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> so. I don't think there's any legitimate reason to need to take a vaccine for this uh, unless they can guarantee you that it would protect you from all coronaviruses for the rest of your life. Maybe then the common cold well, would be well, cured. The thing is, it, it, I mean. It's an RNA virus. It's going to mutate. Right. I mean, they got so RNA viruses mutate in several ways. A that the ribonucleic, so as opposed to deoxy, it has an extra uh, hydroxyl group, which makes it way more reactive. So it's going to fuck up there. Plus the enzyme that copies it, it's going to insert the wrong letter every thousand letters, right? So you're going to have, which is why it's so hard to vaccinate against other RNA viruses permanently. The, the flu, which is more mutable, um, we have to have an annual vaccine for that, or they tell us. I, you know, I don't take that. Yeah, but uh, do I. you're right. You're right. So it, it is. Um, it, it's possible that coronavirus uh, will become an annual vaccine. Uh, it, it's absolutely possible. Uh, they may find a stable region in in the virus and say that well, when you're vaccinated against it, that you're going to be fine. But you have to also remember um, there is the concept of original antigenetic sin, which is an extremely scary concept because let's say that you're a person who gets exposed to dengue fever right it's a it's a pretty bad virus it, you get it in like um south america uh dengue fever they also call bone break fever it causes severe pain and rigors in your back uh if you get dengue fever one time you have terrible reaction if you get dengue fever a second time it's even worse because your body responds with the wrong antibodies the, the way that your body responds to the first dengue is with the wrong antibodies. And then the second time around, it does the same thing and it's worse. So let's say that you are exposed to a treatment for coronavirus that um, sensitizes your body in such a way that you uh, are not immune to coronavirus. But now that you have this fake immunity or this false uh, antibody, the next time you get exposed to the coronavirus, you may not create the correct antibody. You may continue mm. to use the false one. Fox, wasn't it you that and sent like, me that article about the one of the possible vaccines that was a vector vaccine that used, yeah. that basically weakened the body to HIV? Yeah, the adenovirus, which is, I mean, uh, so it, it, it was, I, I, I'm not sure if the guy who wrote, I kind of glazed through it but adenovirus was was used for a vaccine back back in my day and i, I know now they have better vectors i should say uh but they uh so the weakening to hiv i think it exposes the receptor the cd5 i think it is for hiv it makes more of them or something like that but i mean you still have to be exposed to hiv so that's why i was yeah. like 
Yeah, that, yeah, I mean that's one of those no, things like too, as, where as it's like you keep your butt it, the chances closed, of you being you know? exposed to HIV are 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 non-zero, obviously. But with well, most in that trans dorm in my college, um, you have to have it, but otherwise <laughs> you should be okay. So, <laughs> so but the, no, yeah. the, the, the uh, but, but for, for for real, the uh, I mean the concept of like you know uh, I've had patients who also don't realize this, so maybe it's worth mentioning. Um, people think that you can get HIV from from having sex with somebody who doesn't have HIV. I said, no, I mean, you know, like what? people are afraid. Yes, there are some people who are thinking like, well, I can't have unprotected sex because I'll get HIV. I said, yeah, but if you're HIV negative and your partner's HIV negative, you can't get HIV. And they that's a shock to them. That's a revelation. What? You know, they don't <laughs> really, they, a lot of people don't really get this stuff. Wow. Shocking. That, that, that speaks to our educational system. I mean, Wow, uh, you're just creating something out of nothing there, you know? I, somebody yeah. once told <laughs> me, I, I, somebody once told me, you get HIV by jerking off and accidentally thinking about your best friend. What about <laughs> what about doing that same thing on a Zoom call? <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, nice, nice transition, like a brick from left field, I like it. So, <laughs> Tubin, Hulk smash. Tubin, yeah, it was a Jeffrey Tubin. Uh, he's, a, he's a legal analyst. For CNN, I believe. Is this CNN? Yeah. Or is it NBC? One or of some CNN. sort of New Yorker or something. I mean, he's been on a lot of different things. He's written yeah. a lot of books. Yeah, he is. He's a degenerate. Uh, so he is on suspension right now with pay, I believe, from CNN. For on a work Zoom call, there was a, a mock, I think it was a mock trial they were doing um, where he was the prosecutor or or the judge or something like that. And during the Zoom, they're, they're, you know, they're going through the motions. I, this was for some segment they want to do. And he lowers the camera and you can see him jerking <laughs> off. And then he mutes the video and comes back on and acts like nothing happened. And everybody looks horrified, yada, yada, yada. So he gets called out on this. And his first response is, oh, I thought my camera was off. So right there, I don't know. Unbelievable. I, I mean, why would you be jerking off on a work call? Yeah, that's not the issue. The fact that he yeah, was yeah. on the Zoom call is not the issue. The fact that he thought he was muted or thought the camera was off. What kind of yeah. world does this guy live in that that is the issue? <laughs> and there are people on the left defending him. Like, come on, you never did that. Hmm. Like, what the fuck? No, no, no I didn't. Wow. I mean, I mean, Chris like, is working and jerking off right now, right? <laughs> it could be. It could be. I mean, if you're, you know, my thing is, if you're gonna jerk a jerk off at work, at least do it in front of the autoclave. You know, uh, that actually might have happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, drugs, but. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can't believe it. And it's it's very telling. Um, a little funny thing. Uh, O.J. Simpson tweeted, damn, Tubin, at least Pee Wee Herman did it in a porno theater. And he makes a good point. Now, I didn't know this connection, but Hans informed me that Tubin wrote The People versus O.J. So that's yeah, a big that's funny. funny. I, like I think O.J. might still be a little bitter about having books written about him. Does he make any money off no. that? The book is about him. It's like an expose. He wrote his own book, and oh. I thought he wasn't allowed to make money off of it. Or, or am I wrong about that too? Didn't he write a that book called "If I Did me. It"? I mean, there was a civil judgment against him, and he was guilty. He was found guilty, and he, he, even though he got off for the criminal charges, the civil charges might have had some stipulation in there about not being able to make money off of these people's death. Yeah, I mean. Uh, a few things, though, I, I will say. I know um, Hans was telling me that he is a bad guy, and I got, he is. I, I do want to point out, though, that Tubin jerking off on a Zoom call 
that's beta as fuck and it's weird. But killing your wife for cheating on you and then getting away with it, that's alpha. <laughs> Is that a Chad move? So, that's, that's pretty fucking Chad. I mean, I wouldn't do it. Yes. But so so tu- Tubin like, had damn. an epic Reddit moment. Yeah, he did. He did. So um, so anyway, I guess, oh, good. We, we, we went long. We went long today. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything else you, you want to add, Doc? Uh, no, I, I think I've... Uh... I think I've, I've yeah. got it all out. Yeah, I think we, yeah, yeah, we we, we had a, this was this was a this is a good show. It ran well. Uh, so uh, anyway, guys, Doc, thank you again for coming on, and uh, Hans as yeah. always. Uh, so again, tune in every Monday. Episode's going to be up by seven a.m. now consistently, especially because we have the election coming up. So uh, next week we have Joel Joel Chaco. He's going to come on. Uh, he's going to give us the Canadians' perspective on the U.S. elections. Apparently, Canada is very interesting. So. I'm excited for that. And so, always, guys, uh, tweet us at Uncaped Crusades. Follow us on Facebook.com slash Uncaped Crusaders. Uh, website, www.uncapedcrusaders.com. Comment, direct message us, whatever. We will read your comments. And mostly, guys, share the show. Share it, please. I saw the, the, the list go up a little bit. That made me happy, but you guys got to share it more. Put it in your group, whatever. So, anyway, thank you again, guys, and peace.